0: Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals and share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market.
1: You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it. Hey, Devin. What's up, Sheena? So. Not everybody may know this, but before you were a podcast pro, you were in sales. True, and you did a ton of prospecting.
0: Also true.
1: And you probably used video, but I guess that'd be my question for you: is did you use video in your in your outreach?
0: That is a, a fair question. So there's there's actually one example I'll share, and one uh, th- that's a story, and I'll share one uh, kind of work related. So one is I worked for a small company. That used to compete, and they used to compete lightly, uh, with Vidyard, uh, a company called OneMob. And so we were selling a video solution for sales. Mm. So my hours were blocked probably two to three a day of just making one-to-one and one-to-many videos for companies as I prospected. So I was going to say I've made about a 1,000, but I know shortly you're going to reveal that that's not really that many. Um, The other one, though, which was interesting is I actually got a job from a prospecting video. And so it's kind of a cool story. I was at that same company. I was at an event at Eventbrite at their office. And it was one of my target accounts. And I'm like, while I'm here, I might as well just shoot a video. So I walked over. I asked someone where the sales department was. Mm. And there's this, you know, these rows of empty desks. It's like 8, you know, 830 at night. And so I go over there. I have my buddy who's with me hold the phone. And I made a video for the CRO. And my thought was, there's no way you can ignore me if your own sales team's like desks are right behind me. Like I'm in your house, kind of creepy in a way. (laughs) And so he ended up, uh, so I sent him the video. Uh, He he ends up responding to it. And he's like, I have no interest in the video product at all. But if you want, you can come work for me. And so at the time, so I declined at the time. Uh, It's Matt Rosenberg, who's actually been on the show. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
0: And so I declined, you know, I wasn't done. That job didn't work out. And so I actually, you know, gave, um, I gave him a call uh, immediately and I was like, hey, I, you know, if that offer still stands, I'd love to follow up with you. And he's like, yeah, c- come on in. And so I ended up getting that job uh, selling at Eventbrite. So video yeah. has more benefits than just setting meetings. Sometimes you can uh, make career choices from it as well, I guess.
1: <laughs> that is a super interesting story. I didn't know that part of it. So yeah.
0: Uh, so
1: yeah, video for the win.
0: Yeah. So if you've heard the Matt Rosenberg episode, that's uh, that's how I got to know him.
1: So today we've invited Morgan Ingram, who's a director of sales execution and evolution at JB Sales, uh, to specifically come shed some light on the use of video in sales. Um, it's a super interesting conversation, a lot to take away. So I suggest, you know, grab a notebook and a pen or open up Evernote, whatever mm-hmm. you use to take notes and uh, jot down some ideas that you want to put into action.
0: It is, it is literally impossible to listen to this interview and not get at least one idea that you'll want to put into play today. By the end of the episode, I started asking some really tactical questions. One of them is something I'm working on right now. So even I got some ideas uh, from, from Morgan as, as we work on some of our outbound messaging here at Gong. Um, but yeah, M- Morgan's great. He's always fun to talk to. And like I said, or like you said, you know, covers the strategy and the tactics. So a lot of good stuff here.
1: Yeah, and if you want to put that 1,000 video videos created number to shame, just hear what uh, Morgan has to say about that.
0: <laughs> I am but a fraction of the greatness that is Morgan. <laughs> Morgan, thank you for stopping by and hanging out with us on Reveal. How are you doing today? Devin, thanks for having me, man. Happy to be here. Good, good. It's Friday. We love to record Reveal sessions on Friday. And Morgan, you're a friend of, of mine, I like to thank, at least we're colleagues, we're peers we're of sorts. We're friends.
2: We're friends. It's like, yeah.
0: And uh <laughs> and JB Sales and Gong are partners. We're 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 friends at the corporate level as well. So we're pumped to have you on. Now, you're the director of sales, execution, and evolution, mm-hmm. which is a title I've never heard before. But I also usually whenever I hear a title I don't know or believe, I'm like, eh, is this real? This sounds kind of made up. <laughs> now I say this with a smile, but also because you are the person who I actually believe is leading the evolution of sales in some capacities. And so we asked you to come on today and share what that looks like in terms of how to break through the noise and specifically how you're using video to do so. Mm-hmm. Okay, now before we get into that though, you're you're really well known for being a big video game fan. And I saw your, your uh, website recently, Muffins with Morgan homepage, and it looks like an old school arcade game. So quick hot take from you, if you had to pick an all-time favorite video game, what would it be and why?
2: So this is tough. I've played thousands of video games. RIP to Blockbuster. I was there every weekend. Everyone <laughs> in the store knew who I was. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like I had the card and everything. Like, my brothers and I would be in there all the time. I probably played every game you could probably think of. The game that I have to pick is Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. Now... A lot of people have probably played Oblivion, you guys have probably played Skyrim, but most people have never played the third one. And the reason I like it so much is because it challenged you and it had great history and it wasn't it wasn't something you could just like hop on and they told you what to do. It literally was like, here's the game, good luck. And like I like that. Like I remember have to go I had to get, like, a compass out because they had they gave you, like, they're like, hey, you have to go northwest of this location. And so, like, I'm, like, 10 trying to figure out, like, (laughs) what's northwest? Like, Dad, help me. (laughs) Like, I remember just being so locked into the game because it was so challenging. And it increased your critical thinking skills. And it's my favorite game because I truly believe, like, because I played the game and learned a lot, that increased my critical thinking skills to be resourceful. So that's why it's my favorite game.
0: I have to say that's an interesting one. I could hear the, the critical thinking taken in and what sounds like a role playing game. Uh, yep, RPG. Most of those titles went way over my head. I'm gonna guess went over Sheena's head and maybe some of our <laughs> listeners. My favorite game I was like
1: Why would you why would you guess that? You don't think I was playing? <laughs> yeah, hold on. Why do you I was <laughs> <Sheena>. <laughs>
0: I was like thinking like Zelda, oh. Mario, the, the the hits we've all heard of, but you're you're a true video game fan and I apologize Sheena, if I assumed on your behalf. Maybe there's a, you know, maybe there's a game system in the other room I haven't I haven't heard of.
1: <laughs> uh, I was a duck hunt and a Mario type of girl growing up, so those uh, nostalgic games. <laughs>
2: so I will I will say this, everyone knows this game. My favorite game to play with other people and my favorite Mario game is Mario Party. That game was the best. By far. Mario Party well, is fine.
1: Maureen, you've kind of sold me on why I should la- allow my kids to play more video games because of, they'll grow their critical thinking skills. So uh, that's one good rationale.
2: <laughs> you have to pick the right games, though. Normally RPG games or even strategy games that I play to increase critical thinking. And like there's studies that show that. So like those are a lot of the games that I'll play like in my downtime to continuously increase that critical thinking as well. That's great.
1: Morgan, as as Devin kind of teed up earlier on, you're currently the director of sales execution and evolution at JB sales training. And there are so many resources. There are so many different media options that are available to sales reps. Uh, Where do you see the sales training industry heading in the future? What are your thoughts on that evolution piece of your role?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like training will start to be meshed more with coaching. So it'll be a training plus coaching deliverability, which is when you think of training, training is very formal and it's your one speaking to the masses. This is very organized format. And then coaching is one-to-one and more. it can be more of a free, free flow or it can be to a group and you're getting more in depth in that process. So I see where there's going to be a piece of training and also coaching. And I, and I truly do believe that you'll see more training and coaching virtually than you will in person Because you can do it in bite-sized topics. So I can do two hours on Monday, two hours on Thursday, two hours next Tuesday, and your retention levels are going to be higher. And this stat is always sad. And even as I do training, I'm like, it's just a sad stat to say. But 87% of the information in a training is forgotten after it's over from the seller's perspective. So that's obviously not good. So if you're able to do it in bite-sized information virtually, then it's going to be better. And then after you do that training virtually, if you want to have it in person, that's where you could come in and do coaching and be more hands-on. Personally, that's where I feel like a lot of stuff is going to be heading. And, you know, we talk about the future of selling all the time. And, you know, John's been really hyped about this component, which is the VR component. I truly believe that we will, at some point, like we have to go anywhere and I could just put on some VR headset and I'm in front of everyone and I'm delivering the training. And I feel like that's what will, will happen sooner rather than later. In my opinion.
0: There one day will be a uh, hologram version of Morgan coming to a stage near you or a air quotes <laughs> exactly. stage near you. Uh, I have heard that stat before I've been through multiple types of sales training and I can confirm I don't know. Maybe I'll be nice to myself. Say I stuck to eight, you know, 80% was lost versus 87. What is your take or like maybe part of your approach to help combat that? Right. Is it like, is it reinforcement? Is it the way that you deliver training? Like what do you do in your approach to make sure people, you know, remember the,
2: the training? I make my state, I make the trainings that I do very interactive and engaging. And I include people in the conversation and not make it a presentation. So, that's out to Jefferson for this one. He told me you need to stop having presentations and start having conversations. Mm-hmm. So when I'm in a training, it's not me. I mean, I obviously have the content that I'm presenting on, but I'm not going to just present it and be like, oh, do have any questions? And I just move on. Like, I'm, I'm engaging with people. And virtually it's a lot easier because I can be like, hey, guys, put a one if this is something you do. Put a two if this is something you don't do. So I have people putting things in the chat. I'm calling people out. I'm asking them, hey, how do you do this? So we're having coaching as part of the training. So I'm, I'm combining both of them and I keep it very interactive. I start off with all my trainings. I start off with music and people come in the zoom and they're like, well, this is different from the beginning. Like I try to make sure that it's completely, completely different than what you are expecting it to be. And so by having a dynamic piece of training, I'm then able to get people to go and do the things that we said we were going to do. And there's also two additional things that I'll add to this as well that I do. When I'm in the training, we have mock cold calls, we will have people do a video exercise. And then as part of one of the sessions, we have our review videos. So we're doing things live and people are applying the stuff that I'm talking about, not just say, hey, good luck with it. And at the end of every single training, I tell people, hey, in the chat, or if there's a small group, we'll talk to each other directly. Hey, guys, in the chat, what were the three things that you learned from the session that you were going to do? So now I tell people, let's hold each other accountable to what we learned here today, not just, oh, this was, this was cool. I'm excited. And you don't do anything. So that's what I do to keep my trainings interactive, engaging, so people do things. Because my whole thing is, I want to have an impact on this organization. I don't want to just people just go through training. And go, oh, that was cool. It was awesome, but don't do anything.
0: Yeah, it was really interesting. So, so two things there. One is I've done uh, a host co-hosted a webinar with you, and I was pleasantly surprised when uh, Outcast started playing in the first few minutes <laughs> as we were getting warmed up. But, but in all honesty, it sounds kind of like oh, it's just warm up music. I, I've never heard another webinar or training, whatever you want to call it, do that. And that alone at the very beginning was something that was memorable, right? So I think that would probably mm-hmm. stick in someone's head. The other thing you said about, uh, kind of commitment or putting something to practice or even just saying you're going to do something, uh, there's a study from the book, uh, influence, uh, from Cialdini and it was, you know, people, I think the stat was 57%. People were 57% more likely to follow through with an action that they said they were going to do two weeks later compared to people who had never said that they were going to do it at all. So it's really interesting. Huge. That's huge. And it's like, and it's such a small thing, right? Like, you know, raise your hand or say to your partner if you're going to put this into practice this week. And once you say it, your likelihood just, you know, went up
2: 57%.
0: 100%. We all know that uh, training comes in different ways and forms and not all companies invest in it so much. So for the sellers or maybe even sales leadership who are not getting training from their company. Mm -hmm. what should they be doing to help advance their professional development? Maybe it's on their own. Maybe it's in a group setting, but I'm curious what your thoughts
2: are there. Yeah. So if you're a rep and you're sitting there like, I don't get any resources from my manager and no one's helping me out. And I don't know what to do. Like stop this immediately. Just stop. There is absolutely no excuse that you could go out there and get resources to learn. There's just too much information. There's too much. Yeah. So if you're sitting there like, oh, man, I don't, no one's helping me out. It's on you. You need to own your own development. You need to own your career. You need to own your career trajectory. It's 100% on you. When I look at everything I've done so far, I always look at myself to be like, okay, I could have done certain things differently to maybe reach an X level. And I always look at myself. I don't try to blame other people because I can't control that. And my former boss, shout out to Lucas on this one. He always said, control what you can control. So let's get into what you can control. Number one is you can go listen to podcasts, you know, listen to one right now. Now there's a formula that I take when I listen to podcasts. I don't just listen to podcasts and I'm like, oh, that was, that was cool. Like, I don't care about that. What I care about is this formula, listen, take notes, take action equals results. If you're going to listen to something, you might as well take notes and you might as well do something that you heard in there otherwise it was a waste of your time. So that's number 1 thing you could do. Number 2 is YouTube. YouTube is the number 2 most searchable engine in the world, right? So you can find anything you pretty much want on YouTube. I could figure out how to like train a dog. I could figure out how to I the other day I had to figure out how to get Game Boy Advance on my phone without getting it jailbroken so that when I did my family trip, I could play my Game Boy games. I figured that out like in 30 minutes. Like, So here's the thing. like, You can learn anything that you really want on YouTube, but you got to go on YouTube and, again, take that same formula. Listen, take notes, take action again. Uh, three is books. I have 20% of my income that I make goes to personal development. So, and that's based on a book law of success. It gives you a breakdown of how you can break up your finances. So I do 20% 10 to to 20% is normally what people do. So it's in the 10 to twenty percent I do 20%. Now every month, do I go out and purchase 20% of the income? No, it's a rollover. So I can go buy those things. So I don't think about, Oh, I'm paying too much money here, but what could you be spending money on? Well, courses on psychology, sales is psychology. So you should be studying a lot about psychology, right? Buying books, Right. Not just sales books, psychology books, mindset, organizational skills, right? Finance skills, right? Those are, those are, those are important too. Yeah. So I'm buying different resources and I'm making sure that I'm getting involved, right? And the last one that I'll add here is proactively reaching out to people on LinkedIn or other social media sites that you want to go reach out to people on. People are willing to help. People are willing to give you advice. So practically (coughs) reach out to people, right? Reach out to reps, reach out to leaders, like do all these different things and that will help you be successful there. So if you are sitting there being like, oh, no one's helping me out, help yourself. There's a ton of resources. There's absolutely no excuse. I completely agree with that. And the thing that I view it
0: as is, am I listening or reading for entertainment or am I doing it for development? Like some books I pick up and I'm like, you know, reading a mindset book and I'm taking notes and I know like I'm investing this time to get better. And then there's other times where I'm maybe watching like, uh, I don't know, a movie that has nothing to do with sales or marketing or business. I'm just like, I'm in entertainment mode, but with time being such a finite resource and focus being such a finite resource, I do make that, you know, mindful decision. Like, Hey, am I, am I getting better or am I going to kind of relax for a little bit? And I think that's yeah. really important because there's there's a really big difference there, especially as you said, there's so much information out there. You really need to differentiate what your end goal is when you're starting to consume it. Absolutely.
1: Uh, another thing that you touched on as you talked about, like listen or watch something, take notes, then take action. Um, people learn in different ways. Some people are, you know, they can listen to something and, and absorb it all. Other people need to write. Other people need to see things visually. Other need, people need to put it in practice. And I think taking that approach that you suggested, regardless of what kind of learner you are, you're you're going to touch on it in in one way or the other through that process. Absolutely. So speaking of videos, you are a huge advocate for using videos uh, to connect with your prospects. And this is an amazing stat. You have made not one thousand, not five thousand, ten thousand videos in your (laughs) career so far. That yep. is, first of all, mind-blowing. <laughs> so I want to hear more about that. Uh, but also, can you talk a little bit about why it's such an effective tool uh, in your outreach kit?
2: So l- let's address the 10,000. <laughs> yes. Someone had a comment and they were like, 10,000? Did you really hit 10,000? Like, is that accurate? I'm like, look, all right. So here's all the different platforms I put videos on. Facebook, Periscope, YouTube, Twitter, and also on LinkedIn, and then also all the videos that I've made to prospects and also in deal cycles. That's seven different channels that I just mm-hmm. mentioned to you. Right. So after adding them all up, it gets to well over 10,000. <laughs> so, so I'll just give everyone a context there. Like, Morgan, I don't really think you made 10,000 videos. Like, no, it's, it's there. All right. So let's then move forward to your question, right? Which is, why is it so effective? So this comes from the elements of personal communication. It's 7, 38, 55. So it's a breakdown on how we communicate as humans, which is 7% is focused on the spoken word. 38% is voice and tone. 55% is body language. So it's the non-verbals that allows you to connect with someone, right? So face-to-face is the best way to truly connect with someone. Events right? That's why everyone goes to events, sales groups go to events. You can close more revenue because you're having that face-to-face conversation in person meetings. I'd rather go meet someone at their office than getting on a zoom. Right. But however, at, at this moment, you can't do that. So you can sit there and be like, complain. you be like, well, I can't travel. So I'm just going to email only. Well, that's probably not going to be helpful. You could probably just include right video. Video is the closest thing you have right now to having a face-to-face conversation. You can see me, my hand motions, I can interject, right? If there's an objection, I can be concerned. If I'm genuinely confused because we were supposed to close next month, I can come on the video and be like, I'm really confused at what's going on right now. And you can see my facial expressions. You can feel me. That's why it's powerful. It creates humanity in the sales process where humanity in the sales process is as we all are seeing right now, something that is very valuable, which it should be normal. Yet, it is very valuable in the sales process right now. If you are a human, it's like you're an alien. And people are like, oh, you're a human. Like, this is incredible. It's like, what? Like, we should probably be doing that throughout the entire thing. And also, right now, there's a lot of you out there who had people push on you because of COVID. They're like, yeah, COVID couldn't talk. So, for the past six months, you probably have all this closed-loss pipeline of all these people that push on you. So, I've been doing this right now. Like, I'm going after all these people that pushed me out during COVID. And I'm seeing them videos. Right. I did a little bit of research on their website, see what they've been doing. And I'm getting people, I'm getting meetings now on the calendar. Like, yep, now is a better time for us to talk. And now I'm having my calendar booked. Now, if I just sent a regular email, would I have gotten a response? Maybe. But I know by doing a video is way more powerful because people respond and be like, I like this video. Thanks so much for the thoughtful follow-up. Hey, actually I want to get all my leaders to talk about training. Let's have a conversation. So because I sent that video. I know I'm probably more ahead of the curve than all these other reps, which is who else have the competition that I have, other trainers, coaches, whatever, because I sent this video and I was thoughtful about my follow up, So that's why I'm a huge proponent of it. And also we're moving into a virtual world anyways. So we're on Zoom. You might as well get your video skills up.
0: That's a great breakdown. And I think the other thing too, is you mentioned, like you're not just competing with other sellers and, and their outreach and their approach. You're, you're competing with uh, for attention. Yeah. Right. And that video seems to break through it and provide a more, you know, genuine outreach. Um, I have to call it out. There is a voice that you switch to when you are making. uh, (laughs) I want to say my first thought was, oh, he's teasing other like sales reps. But really what I think it is, is that that voice in your head of negativity or doubt. Right. So (laughs) so addressing that what is the like number one or you know top couple reasons where people are afraid to do video or simply are against video
2: yeah so the vo- <laughs> the voice came from <laughs> the voice came from muffins with morgan and I, I was just trying to portray like a rep that is hesitant or just brand new to their career. And they're like, oh, I don't want to do this. And it's like, what do you mean? Like, like just make it super simple for yourself. So yeah, I have that. The uh, <laughs> beginner rep voice is what people have, have started to call it. So you, you're asking me like, what are mistakes that people are making there? Just to clarify on that question. No,
0: no well, no. Thank But thank you for breaking down the new rep voice. Uh, no, it's more of like... <laughs> I mean, you're in training, right? So you get all the time. You're presenting new tactics, new approaches, Mm -hmm. new strategies, new mindsets. In the context of video, where is the pushback? Why are people against it as like a concept? Or maybe as people want to get started, what are some of those like self-doubts? And like, you know, my end goal is to help people get over that so they can
2: start using video. Yeah. So I mean, a couple of things. One is that people are saying it it takes too long. I don't have time to make a video. And then I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's break it down. Right. So if you don't have time to make a video, let's look at your calendar, all right? You should have time blocks on your calendar to do certain things. So if you time block for 45 minutes, this, I'm not even asking for that much time, 45 minutes. We have 45 minutes. We can, we can create time, right? Move things that are not maybe not as important. You could create five to seven videos in 45 minutes. Now, let's say if you did that every single day. Let's say if you did five personalized videos every single day, that's 20 videos. No, that's 25 videos a week. And that's a hundred videos a month. So let's say that you have a 10% reply rate. That's 10 people that have replied to your video. Let's say half that. Let's say half the people actually take a meeting with you. That's five meetings per month by making five videos a day. Where else are you going to get that type of statistic? If you do, you can't do, you can't do that with five calls a day, right. right? You can't do that with five emails a day, right? Unless you're a really great writer and you've gotten really good at emails, but five videos a day, that's all I'm asking for. Five videos a day. That's not that difficult. And also at the same time, the reason that people, number two, they struggle with it and you're like, oh, I can't do it. Is you overthink it. You think this needs to be a movie. You think this needs right. to be the next godfather. Right. You know, you <laughs> like the next inception. Like, no, it's it's a regular video. You're having a conversation. Don't overthink it. People aren't overthinking when they watch the video. As long as you're natural and you do it and you explain the value as if you're having a normal conversation, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, like I want to take a meeting with that person because they did something different and unique, and you have to explain those things. So don't overthink it. This isn't a Pixar movie. This isn't – you don't need a studio, right? Like it has. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. And I think number three is that people, when they make the videos – they do it in a way they think about it as a voicemail. So they have a voicemail script and they're very scripted in the way they do it. And they don't have like bullet points of like, this is what I should cover. They have a, they have a script. They treat it as a voicemail and they sound very robotic. And so they do it two or three or four times. And then they give up, which last one is make sure you do it at least 50 times before you say, I don't want to do this anymore. And then once you've done it 50 times, you can be like, all right, does my audience not like this? Am I saying something wrong? Right. Like, am I saying the right things at the end, right? Am I smiling, another thing, am I smiling in the beginning of my video? Like these are small things, but if you're not doing them, I can immediately say like, oh yeah, well, first and foremost, you're frowning at every video. So like, yeah, that's why no one's clicking on it. And then also when you when you, hate, you, all you say is, hey, this is my name, I wanna chat with you. And like, you didn't give any value on why I should chat with you. So it's like these little things that people make mistakes on or hesitate on, right? To not do the videos in the first place.
1: All right, everyone, in every episode, we have a data breakout, you know this, a quick sidebar to look at the data. If you're new to using video, you're probably wondering if it's worth the time and effort. Here are some numbers for you to consider. According to SalesLoft, sales teams that use video see a 16% bump in open rates and a 26% increase in replies. And our Gong Labs data shows that closed deals involve using webcams 41% more often than lost deals. But what about the time it takes to create videos? Well, when you consider that reps spend around 21% of their day writing emails, ask yourself if it's worth dedicating a portion of that time to video. Stay tuned to the micro action at the end of the interview for ideas on how to get started creating your own videos. I have five videos a day. It doesn't seem like a big commitment when you break it down from that perspective. So five. Take, yeah, just take the block the time, block the time on your calendar. That's what it start with that step.
0: The other thing too, is it gets easier as you do it more of it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know it sounds like super obvious, but it's one of those things where it's like those first five on, you know, Monday or today's Monday, when you're listening to this tomorrow, Tuesday is going to be the most challenging. And then it's going to get a little easier and a little easier until it becomes, you know, almost like an autopilot, right? Like I bet Morgan, when you think of like the five or 20 videos you make a day at this point, I bet you kind of like, okay, it's, you know, okay. Who am I talking to? What's the scenario? Okay, great. Let's go. And you're just talking to the screen in a way you would talk to the human being. If you actually yep. had the opportunity to talk to them,
2: 100%. Which is the tip there. So I have a MacBook, it's green. For other people, it might be red. I, I look at the camera, I don't look at myself because it's not about me. Right. If you look at yourself, that's when you become self conscious. You're like, I don't know about this video. But like when you look at the camera, right, it's a lot easier for you because you're like, I'm delivering it to you. And when that person looks at the video, they'll notice that you're looking at the camera. So now it's eye level, which is very important what I look for when I'm looking at videos. For sure, for sure.
1: We we talked a little bit about some of the uh, pitfalls or mistakes that folks make in creating these videos. What are some of like the best or most interesting tactics that you've seen used in vid- video? So,
2: the whole goal in a video is to be concise, is to make sure that you're delivering value to them, and then to get out of there so it's not along with a long-winded video. Now, in terms of creativity this is also going to be a variant of your audience. So if you're reaching out to someone in security, (laughs) I don't don't know how creative you can be there, right? They may not appreciate that as much as a marketer or a salesperson or maybe someone in HR, et cetera, right? So this variant is going to be on your audience. Now, what I will say is the the go-to, what everyone talks about is the whiteboard, like that's creativity. However, like what I always suggest to people is to do a sticky note. So sticky note, write someone's name, show it in the camera, and then it's easy to just dispose of. And it's not like a whiteboard where you're holding it, right? So that's a way to be creative. I've seen people where they've drawn the company's logo, right? And then they've and they've done that as their intro, right? I've even seen where people bring props. So for example, like they'll find out someone's favorite sports teams and they may wear their jersey, right? right? That's another creative approach. So the creative approach is going to be predicated on what you find about that person and what level you're looking to take it to. And it also depends on how much that person has posted out there. So if I can find that information where their favorite sports teams or something like that, like, yeah, I would definitely wear a Jersey, wear a hat and I would go and do that. So those are things that I would go do immediately to then get those meetings I'm looking for. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Great ideas. Looking at your own, um, your own talents and interests I've seen people who really love to sing, like yep. pull that into the video that they create. Um, you may have other talents. Rap, you I've seen utilize. people
2: rap, right? I don't have these talents, so I'm not I'm not singing. <laughs> I'm not playing instruments. I'm not rapping, so <laughs> I keep it pretty straightforward. I, I'm just like, all right, if I can find something cool I can pull off, then it is what it is, but I'm not doing those cool things that
1: other people are doing. Uh, keep it simple is totally fine too. Uh,
0: last question for you in terms of video is – do you have any advice for the right scenarios or maybe the best scenarios and, and scenarios to not use video? And here's an example I've heard, you know, don't send a super personalized video on the first touch because it can come across a little creepy. Now that's just a subjective response I've heard to folks before, but I'm curious, mm-hmm. Morgan, if you have any, like, you know, Hey, here's, here's two things, two places you definitely should be doing it. And then maybe a couple places you might want to be a little more cautious.
2: Let, let's talk about the cautious rep, right? So, I would say number one, don't put do actually this is I agree with that. Don't put it as a first touch. Yet my reason's different is because in the first email that you send, to send a video, you have to include a link. So you most likely are gonna get flagged, blacklisted, put into spam. I don't, I don't want y'all to go to spam. So don't put a video as the first touch. It's not gonna help you. Because it's going to go to spam, you're going to get blacklisted. You're going to try to follow up, and you're going to get blocked yourself. And then you're going to be sitting there like, "This sucks." So that's one thing I would tell you not to do. And then the other place and the other thing to not do is to make a video and make it super and to make it super long. There's a lot of people do that. They'll make a video and it's two, three minutes long, and it's towards the end of the prospecting process, and that's not going to help them. So these are like two places in prospecting that I tell people to do it to not do it. So don't make them super long. And because it's like, Oh, well, it's the end of my campaign. I'll make a super long video and explain our testimonials and I'll tell them everything. Like, no, this is not the time for you to value vomit all over the prospect on video. And then also number one is don't send it as a first touch because you could get blacklisted or put in the spam because it's a link. So don't do that. Now, two things you should do. One is I always tell people to respond to objections with the video because, Devin, we, we both know this. The best way to handle an objection is I want to get on a call with you. Yeah, going back and forth on email is, is exhausting and not helpful for anyone. Yeah. I can't add elements of emotion. I can't really talk it out with you. And if I And also, I could come off a different way to you, and you may read it the wrong way. And you may be like, dang, this person is an a-hole. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> like, right? right. So, but, but if you were talking to me, it'd be different. So I always tell people every objection you get, handle it with a video. So anytime in a sales cycle, I get an objection, I just fire up the video, right? If we can't get on a call, I just respond via video. That's interesting. That's a great, yeah. Great tip. Every single time, like no, no matter what, because it's a lot easier for me to handle that on the video. And right, think right. about it. Like, if I do a one to three, and also this is this is also go back to time. Some of you guys are like, well, that's gonna take a lot of time. So let, let's talk about this again. So one to th- one to three minute video, right? Say it takes you four to five minutes to create that. Let's say it takes you 10 minutes to create it. Let's just say, let's just say it takes you a while 10 minutes to create the video, and you have a one to three minute video you send out to the prospect. So check this out. Versus you sitting on a 30-minute call with the prospect. So I just saved everyone time. I made you a one to three minute video. That's going to take you three, let's say three minutes to watch. It took me 10 minutes to make it versus me sitting on a 30 minute call. And all they have to do is come back and answer and be like, yeah, good. Let's move forward. And you, and you solved it. And check this out as well. They can send that video to someone that actually had the objection because that person that came to you in the email, that probably wasn't their objection. It probably was another leader that had the objection, but you, that's your, that's your champion. That's your point of contact. So now they can send that video. You sent to them to be like, Oh yeah, this is what Morgan said. And now you, they don't have to be the person selling you. You're selling yourself.
0: Right. Well, I think the main, the, the biggest thing that I'm hearing here in the theme is the kind of like the getting lost in translation or the meaning, right? Like an yeah. objection over email is the hardest thing to respond to because I know there's some crazy stat out there where it's like, I don't know, like 70% of you know your meaning is lost via email or it's misconstrued. Yeah. And so if you think about it, if it's coming from, let's just say a decision maker to your champion to you via email, and then you back to that champion and then back to the decision maker all via email, it's a lot of opportunity to get lost in translation compared yeah. to your video. I think, quick math, I think cuts that in half at least by at least
2: using video. At least. That's great. Absolutely. I love that. So additional tip on that one. So to that sales cycle. Let's go to prospecting. So everyone out there for the most part has a sales off, outreach, yesware, groove, whatever you have something to check that someone has used your email. And if you don't, well, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, you should probably get that. So the thing is that like when someone has used your email over two times, we also did this to check for heat. So if someone's viewed an email three times and they haven't replied, that means that they were interested, right? But something happened. So what we would do is we would move that person to a different campaign and we would call that a video cadence. Then we would send that person a video and then now my response rate is going to be higher because that person had showed higher engagement. I send them a video and now I can then move off to the races of where I need to go.
0: I like that too, because you're breaking down the cadence on heat, as you said, or engagement, right? Which is mm-hmm. another one too, is imagine someone clicks your video. Let's put it in the prospecting world. Someone clicks your video, but doesn't respond. Yep. I have to imagine you're going to re- reply to that person differently on the next touch point than if they had never clicked that video at all. Is that a safe assumption or do you disagree?
2: So if they, yes, however, I have to add a caveat to it. So if someone's watched the video at a hundred percent, I'm going to reply back and say, hi, Devin saw you watch the video at a hundred percent, any feedback on my video, like I'm going to be very direct. However, that will not work with some personas that will not work in some industries. Sure, Because they're not they're not technology savvy. So they're going to be like 100%, they're going to be freaked out, and they're going to be creepy. Then they're going to be like, what's going on, right? So this can work in our space, in SaaS. If someone comes back to you and said, how did you see that, and you're in SaaS, we have to have a whole different conversation with you. <laughs> right. right. What, what are you doing? What do you mean, how did I see this? like, we're in SaaS, come on. But if you're not in SaaS, it's understandable why you wouldn't fall that way. So – I gave you an example of what I would do if they've obviously watched it. If they have watched it or if they haven't watched it and you're outside of SAS, or you just don't feel comfortable with what I just said, then I just ask for feedback regardless. Hi, Devin, any feedback on my video? And I'm going to okay. get my answer regardless anyways.
0: Yeah, and I think too, of course, if you're going to call out, I know you did something, <laughs> You know, yeah. why, downloaded a PDF or watched my video, you have to be super tactful regardless of your, your uh, audience just because, yeah, it is kind of weird. Or, or sometimes people will be like, yeah, I did watch it. I didn't like it. <laughs> then it's like, which, which is cool. fair. You, know, you can still cool. work with that. Fair. But, yeah. But you know what That's I mean? Fair. It's, but I think you can get a better answer from that same person by being more tactful and not being like, Hey, Sheen, I saw you watch my video a hundred percent. Didn't respond, wanted to reach back out <laughs> very different than just, you know, following up being like, you can kind of show that, you know, they've watched or consumed it without necessarily directly calling it out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There have been like a tremendous amount of value here for anybody who is interested in getting, you know, using video more, using a new, unique, creative way to get in front of their prospects or engage, continue to engage with their uh, their chair, their champions in the middle of the sales process. So this has been extremely interesting. Thanks for shedding light on all of this. Absolutely, you're welcome. So before we let you go, we have to ask you our final question that we ask Uh-oh. all of our guests. So, so get ready. <laughs> How would you describe sales in one word?
0: Puzzle. Now that we've asked for a single word, care to elaborate? <laughs> yes,
2: yeah, So, so I, I had other words that were like two words and I was like, oh, I can't say that one. So puzzle. So here's, here's the thing. when. Hopefully all the out there have done a puzzle. I like puzzles. And when you first open up the box and you dump out all the puzzle pieces on the floor, you have no idea where to start. So you think about in sales, when you get're given an account, you have no idea where to start. When you start a discovery call, you have no idea what the person's problem is yet. So you're starting off with just like, I don't know what's going on yet." And then you look at the pieces and you always look at the corners first, right? So like for example, I look into an account, okay, first thing I'm going to do is who are the people I'm going to reach out to? So those are the corners, right? And then from there, you have to start working off of the corners. So that from a prospective perspective, I have to start working off of the research I'm finding, right? Or intent data and a discovery call. I got to start figuring out, okay, what is this person looking to learn during this call? How do I set up my upfront contract? And then from obviously those two, then it's going to figure out these other puzzle pieces that I start filling in to see the whole picture, so as I figure out what channels to reach out on, if we're on a discovery call, what type of questions I need to ask and I'm getting answers and, they're, and we're having, I'm doing my active listing skills. I could then start to fill out this puzzle and then I could create the masterpiece of what eventually the puzzle is supposed to look like based on what I saw on the picture because I have filled in those different spaces. But you just don't start off a puzzle and they, they don't give you any directions. They don't give you a roadmap. They don't give you a silver bullet or a magic formula, which is why I also set a puzzle because everyone's looking for handouts and a silver bullet and a magic formula. And I'm sorry, y'all, there is none. You're not you're not going to find it. So that's why I like puzzles because it doesn't tell you what to do, it doesn't tell you where to start. And sales the same way. And there, the end destination is the same. I want to book a meeting, I want to close a deal, but how we get there can always be different based on our techniques. <clears throat>
1: what a that's a great analogy. I love it.
0: Fantastic. Well, Morgan, always a pleasure. Thank you again for stopping by, sharing your wisdom and expertise, and I'm sure we'll hang out again in the future soon.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on.
1: Thanks. Chances are you've been thinking about using video for your own outreach, but you're just not sure where to start. Well, today's your lucky day. I'm going to give you some ideas on how to get you going. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. Block off 45 minutes a day to create five videos. That's 25 videos a week and more than 100 videos a month. You don't need to be Spielberg. Don't overthink this. Just focus on being unique, being yourself, and sharing value. There are many ways to stand out. You can get your prospect's attention using a simple sticky note with their name on it, holding up their logo, or using some fun props you have around the house. I'm curious to see your videos. Send them over. Reveal at gong.io.
0: Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday.
1: And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there.
0: And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then.
1: And if you have any feedback or you want us to interview one of your favorite revenue leaders, just email us at reveal at gong.io.